You are listening to content from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. For more information, you can find us on the web at ChristOurHopeAnglican.org. And now, here's today's message. I find the study of language to be a fascinating thing. And sometimes this pulls me off in some kind of odd directions. Um, For instance, this week I got into an online discussion with a man who may be the English-speaking world's foremost expert on the history and culture of the game of Go in Japan. Um, It's a little bit specific. Yes, there is an expert on the history and culture of the game of Go in Japan, um, but he was lamenting the way that certain Japanese terms that he's very familiar with because he's fluent in Japanese, and he was lamenting the way that these terms are used differently in the English-speaking world. Um, In the game of Go, we borrowed a lot of language because uh, it came to us through Japan, so we borrowed terms, but they're taken out of context, and they become something that is like a technical term that is more specific than as opposed to sort of the natural language way that he was used to using things as he is a um, fluent speaker. And I'm not going to get into the details of that debate. I think you should thank me for that. Um, But... As I was writing with him, I actually had this moment where I'm like, well, I'm a pastor and I kind of understand what you're talking about. Because the shift in the way that words are used is inevitable. And it happens all the time, particularly when you're talking about words that are moving from one language to another. But also, even when you're talking about English language words over time, the way that they're used can change. And one of the ways that we see the legacy of this in our own language are with dead metaphors. Dead metaphors are, they're images that originally were language that was used as imagery, but now they are just words that we've, and phrases that we use and sometimes forget that they were initially even metaphor. So, for instance, when you call something brand new, the word brand in the phrase brand new is the idea of a firebrand, a piece of wood that was freshly taken off the fire and is so still aflame. So it's a piece of wood that still is, is a light, it's a it's it's on fire, and that's kind of the idea of something being brand new. It's so fresh that it's still on fire, and it hasn't extinguished itself yet. But hardly any of us probably think of that when we use the phrase brand new. The reading that we had from today in our New Testament reading has one of those words that started out as a metaphor, but oftentimes we don't think of it as such. The word member that shows up in our reading today, where it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Now, it's obvious as we're going through this passage that he's using a metaphor to talk about a body, but that word member itself initially meant a body part. One of the translations that I I read as I was preparing for this actually says, well, member is probably the best word to use for for the Greek word here, but he translated it instead as limbs and organs because we don't think of member as being something that is a metaphor for the body uh, most of the time. And here it becomes really important that we do, that we are back to this place where we're thinking of when we talk about being a member of the church, we are talking about being part of a body that you and I, through the gift of the Holy Spirit, through the work of God, are joined as intimately as my hands and my fingers are joined together. We are part of the same thing, and we're looking at this imagery of what does it look like to be a part of a body. But Paul actually 
besides the metaphor that's working on here, there's also an escalation of this as well. Because in that verse that we just read, it doesn't just say that you are, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with the church. That might be what we expect, because we talk about being members of the church. But it actually says, all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. And so there's an additional layer of unity that's going on here that goes beyond just mere metaphor. Paul is actually saying that we are part of Christ, that we are joined with Christ in the way that my hands and my fingers are joined together, the way that my arm is attached to my body. It's this way in which it cannot be separate from it. We cannot be disjoined from it. We are joined that close together, that intimately with Christ. And it's because you are joined with Christ and because I am joined with Christ that we are actually joined and connected to one another. And it's really important that we understand this imagery that's being used of the body of Christ in a way that is more than just a simple metaphor, but is actually talking about something that is deeply and profoundly true, because this is at the very heart of Paul's entire letter to the Corinthians. Right at the very beginning of the book, in chapter 1, he tells them, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You are in Christ Jesus. This is at the heart of the entire letter of Paul to the Corinthians. It's the heart of what he wants us to understand. It's at the heart of the gospel. You are in Christ Jesus, not just as a figure of speech, but in truth. You are united with him. And that forms the very core of your identity and your worth. Last week, we talked about the spiritual gifts, and we talked about the way that they are distributed among the church, and that Paul's main concern here, talking about spiritual gifts, is that we understand the unity that we have and the diversity that we have in Christ. But here we come to understand that the greatest gift of the Spirit is not just those manifestation of gifts that we see. The greatest gift of the Spirit is actually our essential unity with God. The fact that we are incorporated by the Spirit into the body of Christ. Verse 13 in our reading from today says, For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. This is the gospel. This is the good news that we have to proclaim, is that through the work of the Holy Spirit, if you have repented and if you're seeking to follow after Jesus, if you have declared Him Lord and He has gifted the Holy Spirit upon you, you are brought into a, a new existence. You are incorporated into Him where this becomes the most important thing about you. More than any other aspect of your identity, more than what you've done, more than what you will do, more than what you can do, more than the way that you serve, the important thing about you, the, where your value and worth comes from, is that you are united in, with Christ. Because of this, when Paul begins to talk about implications for the body, they are rooted in the fact that we are Christ's body. 
And there are two really important ways that he talks about how we need to think because we are rooted in Christ's body. First, he wants to speak to those who would perhaps minimize their own importance. Those who want to say, I'm not really that significant to the body. It's not really, it doesn't matter who I am. He speaks to them in verses 14 through 20. He says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. So, when Paul is, reading, is writing this, the first point that he wants to make about being part of the body of Christ is because you are part of the body of Christ, no self-deprecation is allowed. Because you are part of Christ's body. And I know that some of you, when you hear a passage like this, you go, okay, it's very well to talk about the hands and the eyes and the ears and the feet, but I'm like a pinky toenail. I'm some vestigial organ like an appendix that has no real use and therefore I'm not really important to the body. So we had this conversation with my wife earlier this week. Um, so she, she's laughing at me. Um, but if you're thinking that way, you're missing the point. The point is that there are no useless parts of the body of Christ. There is no vestigial organ in the church. There is nothing that is worthless. In fact, the very core of the point here is that because you are part of the body of Christ himself, because you are united with Christ, your worth is beyond measure. Your value is beyond measure because you are joined with Christ. Sometimes I think it helps to step outside of the metaphor we're used to. We've talked so much about the body that it helps to think of things in, in, in a different way. Um, my dad was someone that loved cars, and he tried to get me into working on cars. I have, like, taken a sports car, and I've laid under the car with a drill, drilling out the catalytic converter to, like, make the exhaust improve so that we could get more horsepower out of it by a little bit. Um, but that wasn't really my thing. Um, I just kind of did it to do something with my dad because he, and because I was small and fit under there better. Um, <laughs> But um, when he was a kid, he really, he liked to work on, on cars, even as a young man. And he told me a story one time about how he had worked on, like, completely rebuilding the engine of, of a nice car. Um, he'd taken it out, like, taken the whole thing apart, put it all back together. Um, this was in the days where you could actually do that with the engine of a car. Um, things are a little bit different now for those of you who like to work on your own cars and yet don't have advanced computer technology um, to be able to analyze it all. Um, but he'd taken the whole thing out, put it back together, and went to like start it up. And I think it was still in the garage of his, of his parents' house and realized he'd forgotten to put the oil plug back in and like all the oil ran out of the car. Um, and um, because of that one little part that he had forgotten one little thing that he had, he had failed to do. And it's, of course, a part that is cheap. 
It is small. It has nothing that is, is honorable or glorious about it, and yet the entire machine failed to work because this little part here was not where it was supposed to be. Now, you can only stretch a metaphor like this so far. Because obviously what it isn't saying is that if we fail to do the work and job that God has given us, that the entire church, all of, all of God's work is going to fall apart and it's, it's going to fail if we fail to, to live up to the expectations that have been placed upon us. But what it does say in this metaphor and what Paul is trying to communicate is that even the little parts are significant. Even the things that are out of sight and often out of mind matter to the body of Christ. If you have a tendency to tear yourself down, that is not permitted. It's not okay. Because you have infinite worth and value because you are part of the body of Christ. But on the other hand, Paul also has words for those who might think too highly of themselves. In verses 21 through 26, he says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Also core to what Paul is saying here is that no part of the body can stand alone. Now, you're all gathered here today, and so I think you have some perhaps sense of that. But how many of us have known people that said, I want Jesus, but I want nothing to do with the church? I want Jesus, but I like to just meet him in the mountains or on the golf course. I don't really need to be with the people of God as long as I have God himself. What Paul says is no. It is important that you understand that you are part of a body. You are incorporated into, into the body of Christ. You are incorporated into this group, the church, this real and tangible group of people, and that you cannot actually grow properly in your relationship with Christ without growing in your relationship with Christians. We are necessary to one another. None of us can stand alone. None of us can live in that relationship with God and Jesus apart from the body of Christ because we are drawn together in Him. This is who we are. To deny that is like to, to sort of try to cut off a part of your body and say that it can go and live its own life. It can't. We are the body of Christ. We are necessary to one another. The way that Paul uses the body metaphor in this passage here is actually a major twist on the way that it had been used in other documents that we have from the ancient world. Paul's not the first one to think of using the body to talk about a group of people and their importance to one another. But in ancient, the ancient Greek world, the surviving documents that we have, where the body was used as a metaphor, its primary purpose was to tell the, the underclass, the lower class, that they just needed to kind of help with what they could do. They needed to provide, even though they weren't really seeing any benefit, 
even though they weren't getting anything out of it, it was the upper class that was getting all of the benefit, they needed to do their part because they're part of the body and therefore they need to, to fulfill their duty so that the entire polis, the entire city and group can thrive. Paul actually flips that around here as he is talking about the body to say that what is important to know is that because we are all part of the body, that those who are in positions of greater status, those who have some semblance of authority, those who have perhaps the spiritual gifts, since he has just been talking about that, that are more well-recognized in the church, that are honored in the church, actually have a duty to look out for and care for those who are often ignored. This is also at the heart of the gospel, is that your infinite worth has to be held in mind along with the infinite worth of every other person who is incorporated into the body of Christ. Because we are all part of the same body. And if your worth comes not from what you're able to do, if your identity comes not from some aspect of your success, but if your identity is rooted in the fact that you are joined with Christ, then the little children who come up here and are part of the body of Christ. In fact, Paul says, pay them greater mind. Pay them greater attention. Sacrifice for them. Give them greater honor. Because as you do so, you grow in an understanding of what it means to be the body of Christ. It is consistent throughout the New Testament that when they talk about what it looks like to live as the people of God, to look for those who have no status and say, you too are honored. We want to have you in our presence. You are part of who we are. So the widows who were vulnerable are invited to have honored seats at the table because they are part of the body of Christ. In our own society, the elderly are just as important as, as those who are perhaps in a position where they have greater energy or, or whatever. The, the, those who are vulnerable, who are, have need, are part of the body, and therefore it is our responsibility to care for them. Those who are sick or injured or disabled are part of the body of Christ. And therefore, we honor them and care for them in all that we do. This is at the very heart of what it means to be the body. We do not evaluate people by the value that they bring to our group in the sense of what they can do for us. We look at everyone and understand that their infinite worth comes because they are a member of the body of Christ. That's really important to hear as well, not just for those who have a tendency to self-deprecation, but for those who have a tendency to have their status wrapped up in what they can do and how much they can accomplish. Because this means that your worth cannot be greater because you give more. Your worth cannot be greater because you do more. Your worth cannot be greater because of something that you can contribute even the spiritual gifts that you're given don't somehow make you greater than others. They don't somehow make you better or more essential or more important because your worth is found in the fact that you are joined with Christ. One of the separations that we have in our church that I think is actually really important for a church is that um, 
I don't know who gives money here. Our vestry counts the money. They look at how much money comes in, but I, I don't know, and they don't tell me. Um, I have no idea what, who our, our biggest givers are. I intentionally keep some space away. And the reason I do this is because as, as pastor, I don't want to find myself tempted to somehow treat people differently because I know that this person is a really generous giver or that person doesn't have that ability. And there's a, a significance in things like that that, of course, we can talk about the principles of giving. We can talk about how important it is that we all give what, from what we have, but we don't ever tie your worth or value to the body of Christ to your what you're able to give. But it's just as important that's true about ministry leaders or people who serve on a Sunday morning. Your worth and value is not determined in what you can give. Our giving is done out of joy. Our giving is done out of care and concern for the whole body. Our service is given freely because we care and know that your worth and mine is found because we are members of the body of Christ and therefore it is a joy to serve one another. It is a joy to care for one another, but the service does not somehow elevate you and make you better. Instead, it is just something that is given freely because of what Christ has given freely to us. This is who we are. We are a people that are united by Christ's work for us. He has incorporated and drawn us into His body. But so many of us get caught up in a cycle where we forget this where we feel the pressure placed upon us to just do more because our worth is tied up in that. Where we get caught in a cycle of perhaps doing more and doing more and then doing too much and then collapsing and being exhausted and feeling like we're worthless because we can't keep up with everything that we have tried to do. This is not the gospel. The good news of Christ is never do more, try harder. The good news is that your worth is eternal and permanent because you are part of the body of Christ. Paul concludes with, by just reminding people, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You have infinite worth because you are united with Christ. And so does the person next to you and the person behind you and the person in front of you because they also are united in Christ. And this is setting us up for where Paul is going to go next. Our, our lectionary readings actually take a diversion. We don't immediately go into um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which I kind of wish that we did, but um, we're going to take a little discursus first because of the way that the lectionary goes. But the very next chapter in 1 Corinthians is all about love. About the fact that the, the real commandment that we have to fulfill, the gift that we have to give one another above all else is love. That we are commanded to love one another, to encourage one another, to care for one another, to look out for those who are vulnerable in our midst. This is the command that we have, that Paul has set up throughout this entire passage, is love one another. Do so freely and with joy, because you are part of the body of Christ, and your neighbor is part of the body of Christ. Your infinite worth is found in the fact that you are part of the body of Christ. No striving will increase it, no failure will decrease it. You are part of the body of Christ. So let us love and serve one another 
with joy, remembering who we are, remembering that Christ gave His very life to be able to cleanse us and draw us to Himself, that He gave the gift of His Spirit to us so that we could be incorporated into His body, that this is the gift that we come and gather and celebrate each and every week. It's the gift that we see expressed when we come and gather communion, that we are remembering that we are given His body so that we might be His body, that we are joined with Christ and therefore also joined with all who are joined with Christ. So love and serve one another in joy because you are the body of Christ. This sermon is an audio ministry from Christ Our Hope Anglican Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. If you are in the area and would like to learn more about how you can worship with us in person or online, please visit us on the web at www.christourhopeanglican.org.